I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Good evening and welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm here with my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. We're here, three women, 60 minutes, and all the opinions we can spout forth in that time. Ladies, welcome. Lovely to see you again. Hi, Harriet. Hello. Hello, lady. Beautiful Emma Sexton. Tell me about your week and what's been particularly badass for you. My week's just uh, fly by. So trying to trying to run two businesses. But the bad the most badass thing I've been doing this week is basically just trying to make some money, nail my new business. That's about as badass as it's got this week. Thanks, Hustle Harry. week. Hustling for Hustling. sure. Natalie, my darling, welcome. How are you? Tell me what is your badass self been up to this week? I am wonderful. So my badassness has been sitting on on boards. So I've been in Wales meeting brilliant community projects um and finding out more about where they spend the money that 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 we give them Sally, hi. i'm so proud that wales has you to kind of promote Me it too yeah I sh- it's lucky i was week. learning some welsh yeah. i'm not going <laughs> please, to share it no please share it <laughs> No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll let it be. Um, So we are here at Talk Radio and we're here for the next hour. We're going to be discussing some of the big stories of the week, giving you all our opinions on them, hopefully sharing some wisdom and generally having a nice time. Um, So starting starting us off, we are going to be talking about our three headlines. So three things that have really struck us this week that we are hmm, angry, concerned, mildly annoyed about. All those things. So starting us off with the really big story of this week, Natalie, tell us what is getting to you this week? I, I think this is consistent every week, but it's the Trump-Clinton mm. presidential election campaign. First of all, it feels like it's never-ending. It's been going on for, what, you know, two years, uh, at, in your face for a year and just everywhere for the last six months. Um Thankfully, the election is in a couple of weeks, so we will know that the end is nigh. Uh, But at the last presidential debates, there are three debates. Um, Trump uh, makes a statement and he calls Hillary Clinton a nasty woman. So his actual statement was, she's such a nasty woman. And now what I've loved over the course of the campaign is that women all around the world have been taking things that he says as a negative and subverting them and basically putting a power, a badass spin on them. So lots of memes flooded social media, highlighting the Janet Jackson song, uh, Nasty Girl. Um, And her line is uh, Janet, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty or nasty. 
Uh, and it was such a classic growing up. Uh, and it actually shot to the top of uh, Spotify. Can so, you sing it for us? Nasty. Nasty girl. <laughs> Don't mean a thing. Do, 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 I feel like I want to do the running man. <laughs> Let's take it back to the 90s. Em. Come on. I am really appreciating bringing it back and reclaiming that word because I'm a big fan of the word nasty. But the others, but just connected to it, um, she actually wrote the song because she experienced harassment by a man. So it's poignancy in terms of that song and that whole album was all about reclaiming her, her control and saying, men, you can say whatever you want, you can try and manipulate me, but I'm not I'm not buying it. So the fact that he used that term and, and social media took took ownership of it and said, actually, we'll be nasty. It was good. Loving it. Emma, what has been going on with you this week? What's particularly grabbed your eye? Well, I'm particularly angry this week and got a little bit ranty on Twitter because of the United Nations. So the United Nations um, decided that they wanted to have a new honorary ambassador for the empowerment of women and girls. Brilliant. Right there with you, United Nations. We need that. (laughs) And they decided to pick Wonder Woman. Now, Wonder Woman is a fictional character. Don't get me wrong. I love Wonder Woman. Created by a man, highly sexualized. I'm like, how on earth does she empower young women and girls? Could they not have found someone in, in real life? Would that not have been better? Well, exactly. Michelle Obama. I mean, it, well, exactly. Michelle's uh, taught a speech the other week. It's like she is Wonder Woman. She is somebody that you can identify with um, as a young woman. You know, you need to see role models are so important. Mm. And you work this out, all the work that I've done around women in business, you need those role models and you need to see that somebody has been able to kind of like harness the world and get out there and do things and Wonder Woman like she doesn't do that it's all fictional all her superpowers are all like mythical magical things you know I want to see women that have really like been badass harnessed powers to really help make stuff happen in but their I life. bet they pat themselves on the back when they came up with that it's like oh yeah that, that, that's really good bravo 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 not realizing that actually what you're saying the message you are sending is the person that you should look up to is not real is not real she does not exist and she is highly sexualized so you know you can be wonder woman but you've got to dress in a skimpy clothes and you know and it's just not aspirational i don't think i don't see how a cartoon character can be aspirational as a, as a role model where are the superheroes wearing pajamas that well, is this, what i want to know but this is what's also interesting i find every other superhero full-on lycra almost in like completely head to toe masks pants over there wonder woman she's like skimpy hot but, pants. Uh, just just to say so i wouldn't choose her as my un ambassador woman but I think that there is a special place and, and, and I think there should be a shrine to She-Ra. She <laughs> was, is the most badassest cartoon superhero person ever. Did she, she inspire you though? But she, she did. Every Saturday, I was like, I want to be her or I want to be Shitara from, in, from Thundercats. I just, give me the outfit, give me the sword. She used to jack some men up. Like, but seriously. She is the most sexualized of all she the superheroes. Had, but no, Even but... I fancied She-Ra. I mean, it's <laughs> impossible not to. See, but as a child, I didn't see her as sexualized. I saw her as powerful. You know, she would command and take control. I mean, uh, she was basically a danger to children. They could poke their eyes out on her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just don't think that we should be allowing She-Ra in the Hall of Fame. I think there's a, pla- there's a place for She-Ra, there's a place for Wonder Woman, but not as the UN's ambassador for young women and girls. Okay. Mm. Yeah. 
There you so go. That's... She-Ra all the way. <laughs> well, look, we're going to put She-Ra in a special place um, and move on a bit more seriously. So the thing that's really been getting to me and angering me this week is, and we've talked about it a lot and I don't want to give him a lot more airtime, but we've it's Ched Evans and the Ched Evans case. Um, particularly the thing that has really been getting to me about this case is the language that has been used around it. Julia Hartley Brewer, who said on her show this week that everyone involved in that situation was, to use quite a emotive term, she said everyone involved in that situation was a slut. And it kicked off on Twitter. So Twitter went crazy with her for using that word when she was using it to incorporate a group that included a woman. And the real feel on Twitter was that it was not okay to use that particular word in relation to a woman. And I have to say, I am completely with Twitter because I just don't think, I don't want that word used for anyone, but particularly there is no good judgment ever about a woman that includes that word. I agree. But I also think we need to personally desexualize certain words. So why is it that when we think of, of the term or use the word slut, we think about a woman and not a, a genderless, it could be either. And in, in that sense, I actually think, obviously, she knew where she was going by using the term more broadly. But I do think there are lots of words that we as society have applied to men and women and that's why it fe- that's why the heat's there behind it because then for some reason they're not actually thinking she's talking about a man they think that they that she is talking just about her and therefore if we remove that badass is is another one badass was you know previously always used with male superheroes we're used we're making it more broadly about women but some women have taken issue with that and think that it's quite a masculine term to use so I agree but I think there's an element of this is a kind of broader issue right which Mm -hmm. is about language as a whole and how we use it when it applies to women and there have been as you said earlier Nat some really amazing examples of women reclaiming words that have been used against them so the whole nasty girl hashtag was a brilliant example of that last year there was the big campaign around the slut walks Mm -hmm. you know it was a real like reclaiming of the word but the reality is there are some words that have been in history for so long Mm -hmm. We cannot reclaim them. The I, for Can me, we not? I think slut walk did reclaim that word. Do you think? And I definitely, I use that word. I will use that word to describe a certain behaviour and I don't use it as a as detriment to that behaviour. I use it to describe, describe that behaviour and I will talk about men and women being slutty and I'm totally down with that. It's said tongue-in-cheekly and it's about promis- being promiscuous and I, d- I don't see that there's anything wrong with being um, promiscuous. I think you can use the term slut in a judgmental way. You know, that there's very much a judgment in the way that that was said earlier this week that those people are being promiscuous and that's a bad thing. But um, is it always is it always sexual or can it be used in a, in another way? Does it mean something else? I think it's non-sexual as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I would use that term if I had lots of meetings with clients or I was, you know, I was being yeah. promiscuous. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be sexually. That could be I'm promiscuous as in, you know, I'm seeing too many clients. So maybe, yeah. you know, so for me, I don't I don't have an issue. I have an issue with the with the context of the word. I don't have an issue with the word. Okay, so does that mean that we need to start being more careful about how and where we use words? So um, the really, you know, fa- fabulous example for the whole Donald Trump campaign mm-hmm. was grab her by the pussy, which 
I know a lot of women who really want to reclaim that word. They really want to reclaim it. Personally, I I don't. I do not (laughs) like that word at all. There's something about it that just makes me cringe. Unless there's cat at the end. It's not. I don't want it in my vocabulary. I just don't. I don't like the word. And I did not share this. You know, I did not share anything on social media because it's not my favorite word. Um, And I also think a man that that refers to woman's genitalia with that word is is a bit of a, like, I wouldn't want to date that kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's not, I find it, it's a very immature boyish word to use. It's That's my true. feeling. It's not a word a man would use. But so, it's also used in the context of weak, right? Like men yeah. will call other men, oh, you're a pussy. Yeah. And that's themed as like, and that's what that's what really, what I hate is the way that like women's, like words for women's genitalia is always used yeah. because it's an insult. Yes. But you don't necessarily use. Yes, oh, we actually, do. No, yeah. we do. I was going to say, uh, there's another term that I use quite a lot. Which <laughs> yeah. is, but you use yeah. it as an insult, right? Of course. Yeah. So and so we do use kind of you know, on both sexes we use them as an insult, but I think there's something particularly weak about those words that we use around women and particularly aggressive. No, so, no, see, I think uh, again over the years women have reclaimed words that were used in a derogatory way. So uh, again, you know, it's all obviously we're going there with foul language today, but the term bitch, I personally don't mind. You know, someone referencing me as a bad bitch. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> and it's what else con- would you like to it's say? It's context though, right? It's, it's context. totally context. I think if you're saying it to be judgmental or to put somebody down, it's that's not that's not okay. And we should reclaim the word to be able to use it in the language for, mm-hmm. you know, casual conversations or whatever, but you shouldn't be able to call somebody and, you know, judge them on behavior or actions and use those words so it's the judgment that's where the i problem think so. is. it's the context for sure yeah. not the word it's the context and we do still judge women a lot and i mean i was going to throw in that i have a particular love affair with actually the c word that i'm assuming from my producer that we're probably not going to be allowed to say i hate that word we're not saying that see, I, love I that love word. that word no um, i love it <laughs> You know, if I really want to let some anger out, no, I let it rip. No. So we're going to talk about that in the next section because I have a really strong rule around that, which is if you can't say it, you can't see it. So <laughs> we're going into a break now, but we'll be back in our next section when we're going to be talking about the flipping of genders. Are men becoming women? Are women becoming men? You tell us. We'll tell you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. I'm Harriet Minto. Um, I'm here with my fabulous co-hosts. Natalie Campbell, the and, original badass. And Emma Sexton, hustling hard and trying to be a badass. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here for the next hour talking about all our opinions and everything that's in the news this week. So, going picking up from where we were, ladies, we left, I felt, on a high point. <laughs> um, so prior to the break, we were talking about language and the way we discuss men and women in culture, particularly the kind of genderizations we have around some words. So how some words are totally acceptable, they're seen as powerful actions, but they're not when it comes to women. So we talked a little bit about reclaiming words, how we can reclaim the word slut, how we can reclaim the word nasty. Um, I particularly want us to reclaim the C word, but that's caused a little bit of division amongst my co-presenters. Um, but I have quite a strong view, which is that actually 
if we are to be strong women, we need to own every part of our body and we need to be able to talk about it. And I think that's an okay thing to do. But I'm wondering whether my love of that particular word is turning me into a bit of a bloke. Because I think that word is generally only used by kind of lads being aggressive. It, yeah. pre, in previous years, I would say it was a very blokey um, term. Women only used it if they wanted to be seen as, you know, strong, strong. I'm, you know, I'm using quotation fingers there. Um and I like the word, and I'm not for any philosophical reason other than I just love the way it sounds. I love the way it falls out the mouth. And you know, when I call someone a C word, that me and that person, we ain't speaking yeah. ever again. It's you a know. strong word. No, exactly. But it's still, a, if, that, if that means that you and that other person aren't ever speaking again, it's still derogatory, right? Yes. So I'm not, yes. And I... But I don't connect it with... So I don't think of the word and then think of female genitalia. I, I, I don't. And that's why I'm saying I'm not being philosophical about it. I'm just saying it. I just love the way it sounds. That's and true. You know what I, mean. I don't connect it with genitalia. It's yeah. just a really strong word. Exactly. But then to go to your point, I don't also say it because I'm trying to live up to a male ideal. And it's not me trying to be now be, be masculine. I I if I'm in that space of speaking very powerfully, I'm speaking powerfully as a woman. I'm not trying to be a man. But we have had conversations, uh, uh, not just about words or, or work or, or dating, but we ask ourselves, are we the new men? The sorts of things that are happening in our lives. I, I find that I'm like, that's, th- this, is, this is what men have experienced. Whether that's being you know, older and, and, and still dating and dating younger guys, or being at the, the top of your company and having to make difficult, harsh decisions or not having an emotional connection to, to certain things, which shouldn't be a male thing. But in, in previous times, those sorts of behaviours or activities were things that only men experienced. Yeah. And so I think that's a really interesting point now, because actually one of the stories that I want to just talk about this week is um, actually a guy called Martin Daubney, who's one of the former editors of Loaded magazine, like a, a bloke's manly mag, I think. Um, and he is writing in the Evening Standard about are men becoming the new women? Mm. So he is now a kind of primary caregiver for his kids and he spends a lot of time in the playground looking after them he's at the coffee mornings he's at the pta and he's talking about actually how difficult it was to be accepted in that at first how strange it is and also this rise of men taking on more of the caregiving responsibilities now i did read the article and i did have a small eyebrow raise about it because the reality is that while men think they're taking on more of the caregiving responsibilities most of the surveys show that in actual proportion still women doing the majority of the work but i really was wondering are we as women letting men take that role so i just want to ask when you read the article did your mind not go through a wave of emotion so i started reading and i was like hold on a minute if you fit hold on first of all i do not feel sorry for you it sounded like he was whining to begin with i was like stop being silly and i almost thought man up and then i laughed at myself because like i'm telling a man to man up for, for whining about the fact but we, we do tell men to man yeah. up the whole time that's um, yeah 
so I did that and then I you know I got into the article a bit more and, and was listening to the ch- challenges that, that he says he faces um, and I was thinking okay but women have been doing this for ages so now you're making a mockery of something that we've been doing for a really long time and then when he was sort of talking about his wife and, and everything else and he then made her out to be the man in the relationship and I didn't feel that he closed the article by saying at the end of the day it really doesn't matter it really does not matter what matters is you love your children they have two parents they do different things it's not like you don't work at all because you're writing this article and it's been commissioned you've just chosen a different path and people should be allowed to do different types of work because this is what I always have we, when we have our discussions you know about are we the new men and it comes up all the time in our like casual conversations and I'm always like no we're the new choosers because mm. actually much as men have been doing all this stuff before they've been doing that because they've been privileged and they've had this advantage so they've been able to decide exactly what they want to do and women have kind of fallen into all these other roles and you know yes I'm sure there's some things in terms of like a nature and nurture that but actually you know what's happening now is that women are becoming the choosers so they are taking over different roles we're challenging stuff because of the internet and social media we don't have to put up with the judgment you know people are able to find their tribes mm. to do the things they want to do so for me it's like this is an adjustment this isn't about being a man or a woman this is about actually blurring the lines between the two and going okay what do you need to do as a family you know if your wife can earn as much money as you then you need to rethink how you do your parenting but are we the new choosers because I don't know that we are I think we are still being kind of mind controlled almost no one mind controls me honey no I I know that you think they don't subconsciously I think I still no no we are not equal yet there's some work to do but we're certainly no I choose I am in charge but really? fully not even subconsciously influenced no so you have Give never bought never bought a pair of shoes because you saw them in an advertising campaign never. I don't I do not buy anything because I've seen it somewhere I really I shop I shop based on how I feel at that time I yeah I don't and I don't shop seasonally I'm not interested in what is in fashion but that is just me personally I shop for how I feel at the time. Okay, so have you ever seen a man pushing a, p- a pram and thought, hmm, interesting? No, as in I wanted to give a couple, like, a round of applause. There was a, a guy in a suit in prep feeding his baby yogurt and it was lunchtime. I was like, if, you know, either you've had your child all day or maybe you've, you've got the child for a lunch break. But I was like, you know, I, w- I wanted to go over to him and say bravo. But then I thought, but I wouldn't do that to a woman who was just here with her baby at lunchtime. So why am I making the special exception Okay, yeah, so that's my point, which is that we have these kind of ideas in our head. And Nat, obviously, is she raw in the modern era? So maybe she can exactly. challenge those and make all her own choices. <laughs> but for the rest of us who are kind of being dictated to by society there's some really strange stuff that happens so one of the things that I was reading about when I was researching this article is that in April there was a survey about shared parental leave and it asked people how shared parental leave would work for them whether they enjoyed it whether they'd take it up and one of the things that came back was that 50% of the women that answered that survey did not want their male partners to take shared parental leave did it say why it didn't say why no but like that raises the question right which is I mean, surely if there is a way for you to change fewer dirty nappies, you want to take it, right? And then I guess, but I also then have friends that really want to stay at home. Yes. And want to throw themselves into the mothering experience. And we have... And that's a choice. It's complete. It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But we still kind of judge guys for making that choice. So I'm going to give you the example that I had told me this week, which is a um, friend of mine's other half is a stay-at-home dad. She's the kind of main breadwinner. He has chosen to look after the kids. He's graced it. He's there at the school gates every single day, picking up his kids with the other mums predominantly who are also at the school gates. This week, he realised that those other mums all have a WhatsApp group that they are all on talking about the daily drudgery of being a stay-at-home parent, talking about the things that have annoyed them that week, talking about things they're worried about, talking about what's going on with their kids, arranging play dates, and he is not in that WhatsApp group. Because he's a guy. That's sexism. Yeah. Maybe. But I just have a point on you. So you called him a stay-at-home dad. Do we use the term stay-at-home mum? Or do we make an assumption? we we do. Oh, okay. We yeah. do. Full-time mum? Full-time mum? I mean, but oh, I How, don't even like that. What's, you're what's a full-time, full-time mum? Ma- yeah. Uh, you, again, you're a mother for... There's no full-time, part-time... Can you be a part-time mum? Is it possible? So, I'm, is it... I, I don't know if you can be a part-time mum. I mean, possibly, I guess, if you're not there or something. But it is that idea, which is that this is this kind of role that we have assigned to women... And we're really uncomfortable with the idea of a guy doing it. And if we were to flip that, are there jobs out there that we think can only be done by men? No. No? No. Oil rig workers. Any men? No. No. And so, But I had this conversation with a friend. Um, so she was dating a guy at the time who used to do deep sea diving, something to do with oil rigs. Um, and because of the weight of the suits and stuff that he had to wear, they used to say, actually, it's not possible for a woman to do it. Hang on, hang on, no. hang on. And then a woman came in and she was like, uh, <laughs> no. So I'm going to get in that suit and I'm going to do this job. And they earned, you know, lots of money and they thought it was all a wonderful world because lots of men on an oil rig like farting and stuff. Um, and now it's sort of the industry has changed, but there was a, and this only happened maybe six, six years ago. But I think that's what men usually say, or that's what an industry says. You know, women are not strong enough to do this. So that's true. But actually, there is so there is one job that is kind of still men only, which we have been talking about my current TV obsession, <laughs> SAS, Who Dares Wins. Loving it. Um, but actually, there's a still... That's a guy that only? only. Yeah, that's men only. If you're a soldier on the front line... That is men only. And actually, it's very interesting. Soldier on the front line. Recently, there was a guy who was, uh, he was a soldier and he's just um, been through uh, gender reassignment. So he's now, uh, she's now a woman. And she is still allowed on the front line, even though women are not allowed to be on the front line for another six months. How does that work? I don't know. But I was, that was another angry Twitter moment. I was like, hang on a minute. The only way that you can have gender equality in the army is to have a sex change. (laughs) Like what? Male privilege, and you get to be <laughs> like, privileged yeah. when you decide that you on want another to be a woman level. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that's an amazing point. We can only have gender equality in the army if you have a sex change. So, does this mean that we want to see women fighting on the front line? That yes. we want to see men staying at home? Yes. And if it is nature versus nurture, can we do that? Yes. But I think actually, <laughs> clear and precise there, Emma. Thanks. <laughs> no, it, I, I think part of the challenge is the way we talk about it. And it's the language we use when we're talking about the different jobs men and women do, when we talk about decisions and choice. Um, and I, I think if we took a lot of heat out of it, you know, going back to our, our first conversation um, about terms that are derogatory or not, if we take the heat out of all of these terms, 
then actually it really doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter but we're nowhere near there yet it's not the heat it's take gender out like let's not talk about men and women let's mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk about roles and things that need to be done and finding people who want to do the things that need to be done. Like, I want to be in the SAS. I mean, you and me both, Nat, but I think probably for different reasons. Own SAS. The badass SAS. Like, yeah, that's how we do it. Okay, so we're going to take a break now. Tweet us, tell us your opinions. Are there jobs that are specifically meant for men, jobs that are specifically meant for women? No. No. I think Emma's forgotten this is talk radio. Anyway, (laughs) so tweet us and tell us we want to hear about it. Let us know. We're going to be taking a break, but we'll be back when we'll be answering some problems. So between us, we have nearly, wait for it, ladies, 100 years of wisdom. In fact, we have over 100 years of wisdom. 100 years of mistakes made, lessons learned, repeated, learned, repeated, not learned. And we are (laughs) going to be using that cumulative wisdom to solve your problems. So join us again when we'll be back talking about the best badass balls up from this week and giving you our wisdom. Welcome back. This is the Badass Women's Hour. I'm Harriet Minter and joining me are my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we have been talking about all things badass, hitting some of the top news headlines from the week and really giving you our very important, well-researched and thoughtful opinions. Now we are going to be helping you. So between us, we have over 100 years of collective mistakes and things we have and mostly have not learned from them. Um, So tweet us, tell us, email us your problems. We want to know because each week we are going to be helping you solve them in the most badass way we possibly can. So we're going to be starting off and I've got my problem this week from Julie who has emailed me. So Julie is going for a promotion. She really, really wants to get a pay rise with it, but she doesn't like to ask. 
she feels uncomfortable, it's really stressful for her, and she actually finds asking for that money a really horrible thing to do. She thinks her boss is just going to say no. Ladies, how can we help her? Because quite frankly, gender pay gap is a big issue for me, and I want Julie to be a woman out there solving it. Yes, Emma. I think, well, this is a problem that I've only just worked out now and try and instill in my staff is that, you know, you kind of... you ask for a pay rise it's in a business's interest well the traditional model of work is that you pay people as little as possible so if you don't negotiate you do get paid less and I think that's where the gender pay gap has happened Mm -hmm. Um, but actually I think the the problem is people think they deserve a pay rise but they don't actually ever give the business case for it so it's like you need to be collecting over that those 12 months you need to be collecting those stories and looking at your business impact can you give us an example of the sort of thing that you could use to really show the business case so most businesses will work on the um, aspect that your you will bring in double your salary in terms of revenue So you need to start going, well, actually, where am I adding value to this business? How am I making money? How am I helping the company making money? And if you don't know, you need to speak to somebody and go, okay, where can I have a a financial impact on the business? Because that's what you never get told to do. And then you can never negotiate because you're like, oh, I want an extra three grand. And they're like, no. And you're like, oh. Okay, like, but if you can't equate it back to the bottom line, then it's also so you know. In the last six months, I've taken on um, managing three new staff, and I have gone on five new pitches, which um, brought in the company X. Or it's it's being really focused on what have you done, what have you achieved, and relating it back over that that period of time. And what can we give her to kind of boost her confidence so she goes in feeling really secure and like she's going to absolutely smash it? If you don't ask, you don't get. Great point, Emma Sexton. Loving it. Uh, Emma, you've got a problem from another listener. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I do quite a lot of mentoring with entrepreneurs. I have uh, a side business, which is a network for entrepreneurs. And one of them, we had a bit of a mentoring session this week, and she's got a business idea. Well, she's got an an idea of what she wants to do as a free ranger, I would say. And I was having a conversation with her, and she was like, I really don't know what to do. I know I want to do my own thing. And then somebody's come to me and said, well, actually, I've got a business. Why don't we go into business together? And she's quite excited about this idea. But I I'd interested to hear your perspectives because I have a perspective on this that I don't think that's the right thing for her to do. But what are your thoughts on that? So over the last few years, I've had um, two co-founders. And what I would say, when you go into business with friends, you need to think beyond this person being my friend, if I met them the day before and we started talking about this idea, would I think this person has what it takes in terms of they complement my skills, they have their own networks, they know how to bring in money, I trust them. And that that is beyond your friendship. I trust them to do these things and bring this into the business. And if that's a yes, okay, that's a tick. Then you need to think about what what happened the last time you guys had an argument? Because in business, there is always conflict. What happened? How did you resolve it? Because that is probably what's going to happen if conflict arises in the business. So I would say yes, but go into it with your eyes fully open. And I also think that sometimes what makes someone a superb friend and the reason that you want to be around them is not necessarily going to make them an equally great businesswoman. So I have a fantastic friend and we're really close and I absolutely adore her. I can't spend enough time with her. But I know that if we were to go into business together, our friendship would be over within 48 hours. 
because she likes to work in a particular way. So she is detail orientated. She believes that kind of the longer you're in the office, the more you're getting done. She wants to make sure that everything is absolutely 100% at all times. And my attitude is, what's the quickest, fastest, best solution that we can get done here? Let's do that. Let's go for that. How I'm bored at 3pm. I want to leave the office at 3pm. And we love that about each other in our friendship. That's a great thing. It means we go on fantastic holidays that she's planned and I make exciting. <laughs> it means that we have a really great conversations. It means that we come at things from different angles, but we could not work together. And I've just accepted that and I've let it go. But the other thing I would say is that being a freelancer or a free ranger, Emma, being a free ranger can be really lonely. It can be really lonely. And sometimes going into the business with someone else mitigates the risk. So it gives you somebody that you can rely on, somebody who can boost you up when you're a bit down and vice versa. But you've got to really think. But it's about complementary skills. Yeah. And so for you, you are the entrepreneur. So it's finding the person that balances you out. And for your friend, it's exactly the same. It's knowing who you are and what you need to complement. And I think for uh, for Alice, basically, she, this is the first time she's gone out by herself. And I certainly know for me that first 12 months in business, it's a completely new experience. You know, what you set out thinking you're going to do by the end of the year, you're doing something completely yeah. different or different opportunities. So my advice to her was actually, you know, really consider this and almost like don't do it. Like give yourself some time to really you know work out or look at a way that you can be in a partnership but not in business together there's lots of ways you can kind of white label under other companies and be a part of that but you can pull away when you when you want to question oh. would you go into business with husband or boyfriend no no disaster i don't know how people do that how do the how do you do that well, uh, well, not I, you I, yeah exactly i wouldn't so do it but... i do have two friends married very happily married got kids they run a business together and they love it they yeah. absolutely love it they literally run the business from the shed at the end of the garden they love the fact that they can work together they bounce ideas off each other they love the fact that they can like decide together who's looking after the kids they absolutely would be lost without each other but i have to say i feel like it brings a whole added level of stress and the other thing is if you know i'm honest my parents had a business together and I think actually both of them clipped each other's wings a bit. They probably would have been better off going and doing things separately and being able to come back together and support each other in that way and hear about each other's day and get excited for the other one rather than putting all the stress on trying to run a business together. Yeah, and I have commitment issues. I can't imagine being committed <laughs> long enough to somebody to build a business with them, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah that's I've, true. You don't want to make the divorce study. any harder yeah, than it's exactly. already going to be, babe. Exactly. <laughs> Nat, tell us your problem. So leading on from that, uh, in terms of uh, being with the right person, uh, a friend of mine was, and she will remain anonymous, uh, was talking about uh, her new relationship and the guy that she's seeing. And they sat down this week and had a, a conversation about their ability to function within a relationship. And he said to her, I don't think that you are emotionally mature when it comes to relationships. At work, you're amazing. You're this badass, obviously. But when it comes to relationships, you're just not there. But she was thinking the same thing about him. So where do they go from there? So emotionally mature feels to me like a very big judgment statement, right? Because one person's maturity is another person's Shira cartoon. And, <laughs> you know, so you're asking a lot for two people to be on the same level about what emotional maturity is. And there's a kind of basic level, which is do you both want the same things? Mm. So, 
if one of you wants to go traveling for four years and the other one is just thinking about how to settle down and have babies no you're not on the same maturity space but if it's actually about a communication issue and how do you talk about things and how do you resolve things then that for me feels like something that you have to bring out so maturity is a word with judgments right and you have to really pull out what those judgments are because maturity to one person might be completely different and they might be there at loggerheads with each other being like well you're emotionally immature and actually what that word means is completely different for both of them and so there needs to be a point where you sit down and say what do we actually mean by this statement? Yeah, and isn't there something about being in a relationship where you're bringing out the best of each other and you might make some observations and go, you know, you're not particularly, like, I'd love to have you being more giving or more loving or do this for me. How come, you you know, from that sense of curiosity, not just going, you're not emotionally mature. Like, I mean... What's the most emotionally immature thing you've ever done in a relationship, Emma? Oh, and no. <laughs> the most emotionally immature thing I did was dump somebody by text. And that was like this year. It's so embarrassing. But what that's the norm <laughs> nowadays. I mean, with ghosting. It was not the norm. It was bad. It was bad. Year, I, was I just don't bad. think this is working out. And yeah. No, it could have been a face-to-face conversation. I had a therapy session. My therapist, <laughs> said, my therapist said, Emma, you need to like lean into these conversations. <laughs> more leaning in, more leaning in. <laughs> I did once dump somebody with a text message which said, I'm really sorry, but I think I'm going to be busy for the foreseeable future. <laughs> oh, that is harsh, age. That is harsh. That's mean. I just didn't know what to say. They were such a nice guy. So if we were to kind of summarise, how are we going to help Nat's friend? What's the thing that she really needs to know to go into this? I think it's uh, next. Oh, Emma, harsh, 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 harsh. I think it's have the bigger conversation. Have a bigger conversation. Lean in, ladies. Yeah, so you're good. We well, are training to be a coach now, so you know, I'm just like, no, you're probably done. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with Emma on give it, give it a bit more time, and if things don't improve, next. I'm all about the hope. I'm the only romantic here. I mean, it's a sad I'm romantic, time, but I'm, I'm not romantic. a time waster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which leads us fabulously into our final break the session so we are going to take a break and we will be back afterwards when we're going to be talking about the backdated badass so the one woman who's been wiped out of history but you absolutely need to know about her because she is badass we're going to be talking about that plus a whole lot more in our fourth section so join us after the break Welcome back. This is the Badass Women's Hour with me, Harriet Minter, and my co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we are talking about all things badass and women. We have been giving our views and thoughts on big issues of the week and big problems that you're all facing. But now we're going to take a little step back in time and we're going to look at some of the women that history really have forgotten because we think they need to be celebrated. And I have a particular thing around this, which is actually we don't have enough female role models. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. So we really need to find these women that actually have been doing amazing things throughout all the centuries and talk about them. So in this section, we're going to talk about someone who's a bit of a hero or we think needs some real like shout outs. That's the kind of modern term for it, isn't it? A bit of a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're going to give a bit of a shout out to some brilliant women who you might not have heard of. And first up today, we are talking about a woman called Ada Lovelace. And I will be totally honest, when I first heard about Ada Lovelace, 
I actually thought that it was another word for Linda Lovelace, who was in a very famous 1970s film about a sexual act. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's not her. That's not what we're talking <laughs> about, listeners. I'm sorry to disappoint you. So, but what we're actually talking about is Ada Lovelace, who is also known as the mother, I guess, of modern computer programming. She was the first computer programmer. Not even the first female computer programmer, the first proper computer programmer. Um, so a bit about her. She was the daughter of Lord Byron. So you might not think that creative and tech go together, but apparently they do. And she worked with a guy called Charles Babbage. And Charles Babbage is celebrated as the man who invented the computer. But what we don't actually talk about is that Ada was the one who did the programming for it. So she worked out how to make it all talk to each other, how to build a whole computer language around it. And without her, that computer would not have existed. But really, until about four or five years ago, nobody knew about her. Nobody knew about her. We just talked about Charles Babbage as this guy who created computers. And for me, and I don't know how you feel about this, ladies, but for me, that has actually done possibly irreparable damage to computer science because we see it so, so strongly as a guy's field we don't realize that it was started by women we need to talk about this so women in tech is it's talked about as an actual issue why do we talk about women in tech as an issue nat so i'm gonna say firstly i i think it's not just tech that has this issue i think there'll be there are tons of industries and tons of professions and things that have happened uh throughout history where a woman created it started it made it happen from you know dna through to various other things and because men and the people in power decided that was that's not going to be a good enough story or you should not be seen they have then taken ownership of that thing and we think they created everything and i'm sure they think they created everything too um so someone like Ada for me and the fact that we're now talking about her story what I hope it does is opens up people's minds to investigating more and saying okay so where were the women in this journey what did they do how did they make these things happen with technology specifically um, you know lots of people talk about the lack of women in tech but they're, what they're actually talking about is the lack of or it's when it started the lack of women in senior positions leading leading the big technology companies so from your Facebooks right through then you had your Marissa Mayers um, from from Yahoo, Cheryl Sandberg, Sandberg Facebook, uh, and so people started to say, "Well, we need more women." And then they went to, "Well, it's all about coding. We need to teach girls to code." My challenge is, no, we need more women as leaders. We need more women running companies because that's where the visibility happens. If someone set up a company and was like, "I'm just going to hire a hundred female coders," but it's going to be an all male board, to me that does not solve the problem. Does it not, though? Because, for a start, they would be really, really challenged to find 100 female coders. So less than 13% of computer science graduates in this country are female. Like, there are not that many women coding. There really aren't. Yeah, there's two challenges. One is that women are not um, steered towards that as a career. And a lot of that starts with the toys that they are doing. So there's, oh, have you heard of Goldie Blocks? And they've created all of the, like, the tech 
toy. So as a girl, you're not even steered into that direction to start with. But then there's another issue that actually, even if you do choose that as a career and you go to these companies that might even have female leaders, is that the culture is so toxic that women don't stay and they don't thrive. And that culture culture thing is actually a problem across lots of industries, but it's a big problem in tech. There's been a lot of conversations about that. There was um, a lot of stuff that came out like... um, some of the the senior leaders in terms of who they're following on Twitter and role models and things. But this is my point about leadership. And so so someone like Ada, you know, the reason she stands out is because she created the thing. We need more women as the creators. We need more women as the leaders. We need more women as the entrepreneurs. We need more women that are standing up and saying, I am badass. Because that's when it starts starts to filter de- starts to filter down. But even if they do that, can they do that in a culture which is so anti-women? So if we look at the technology culture, we look at this week it came out that Peter Thiel, who is a big um, tech entrepreneur on the board at Facebook, has donated millions to the Trump campaign. Mm. Like that does not say guy who is invested in gender equality quite frankly um we know that sexual harassment is a really big problem within the industry on the most basic level we know that social events kind of socialize around beer and pizza that's the idea beer and pizza so how do we start saying actually girls you can break into this and we can change the culture see i think there's two things it's whether or not we need to break into the industry as is or we need to set up and develop our own things that generate their own forms of revenue and income because ultimately people like things that make them money. But this is the thing though, this is happening mm. and then especially in the tech because tech is where all the big investment is going in and men Women are not investing. In yet. fact, I saw something this week about a crowdsourcing, a very famous crowdsourcing platform and a woman was advised, she posted in this girls forum um, that she wanted to go to this platform to seek investment and they said to her, you will not get investment because all the people on here will be male and male products are the only things that are successful. Your feminine product, whatever it was, is not going to be successful. She was told that by the crowdfunding platform. So we know that women in Silicon Valley get less than four... Female-founded companies get less than 4% of all the investment. Um, But I think this is a really interesting point about male products. So products that are designed for guys. Because how would technology be different if we had more women coding? Yes, I mean, there's... this is No, it's not about the coding. It's about the leading. Okay, how would technology be different if women were coding and leading? I think they would be because the thing is, as women, we have totally different perspectives. And what's really interesting now about, you know, entrepreneur, uh, people being more entrepreneurs and they being much more accessible to st- set up and launch your own product or service is that women are creating these products and services that have never been created before. So if you can code, you might create some code or look at a, a product or create an app or something that no one's ever thought about. In fact, I know women who are creating services that have come out of their feminine perspective but if John Smith is leading the company and he doesn't give a flying tootin about it it's never going to see the light of day that's my point we still have to look at who has the control who makes the decisions who makes the choices and until we are in the position where we're making the choices about what actually gets out but won't the market make the choice so but you still have to get to the market so if you're sitting you know, you're one of a hundred women sitting in a company led by a man who just doesn't like or get your product. It's not going to go anywhere. Are we doing men a disservice there, though? Are we saying that no man can ever recognise a great female product? No, I, I don't think we can say all of those, but I think I can't recognise a great male product because I haven't grown up as a man. So there's there's I products can if and he walks up that... to me like six foot tall and glistening. <laughs> 
I can't recognise everyday sexism. <laughs> I can't recognise. You know, a guy might tell me I've come up with this brilliant idea because it solves this problem, and I'd be like, "Well, that's totally unrelatable to me. I'm sure that's great." So the classic example of this is the Apple Health app, which, when it first launched, didn't have any way for you to for women to track their periods. And several apps launched off the back of that and made their inventors lots and lots of money because it turns out women are really keen on knowing when we can and cannot get pregnant. So actually, I feel like these investors are missing a massive trick. This is 50% of the world that could be buying their product. Yeah, but I think that's what's so great about the world is actually, you know, years ago, these businesses and these senior people who you know locked everybody in but now you can have a product you can crowdfund it you can put it on the internet you can put it on the app store the accessibility and actually i think word of mouth you your product can be successful with or without the support of a big company i agree and this is why i'm saying i don't think it matters nowadays i think as a woman if you want to break into an industry or you want to do something, you find your own way. You find your own tribe of people. You do what it takes to make it happen and you upskill yourself. So if you need to know code, know the code, but know how to be a leader too. So the one thing that I think there that kind of I agree with, but I think is a question, which is that women generally not always, but we can be quite fearful of doing stuff if we don't have the knowledge. We feel like we have to know things before we do them. And I, I personally don't agree with that. I feel you should do it and learn as you go. But this does seem to hold a lot of women back is we need that knowledge. So how do we get that knowledge and that confidence instilled in girls from a young age? Well, for me, it's about supporting them to be badass. So yes. like if I show them that exactly that, you don't need to study every single thing about a topic. You go out there, you do it. You put yourself in front of people and you tell them you're doing it before you even know how you're yeah. doing it. And then one day it just is. And I know it sounds very trite to say that, but that is the reality. All of the men that we see leading these companies, that's what they did. They told Everybody's someone they were doing it, it and it happened. It's like what you said earlier. You're like, how do we, how do we uh, get these women to get the confidence and get the knowledge? And I think that's it. I think we think we have to get these things. You don't. You have to go out there knowing that you will those things will come to you on your journey but you won't have you don't need all those things you don't need the confidence you don't need the knowledge you need to just start because all of that stuff your confidence builds your knowledge builds so actually it's about getting started and that is a badass mentality right definitely so we're going to round up now but leaving everyone with a little something for the week we're going to give you this week's badass principles so the one thing we want you to live your lives by this week to take out spread around the world like that really great STD you got at university. So, speak for yourself, Maria. <laughs> Which was a great one. Some of us are having a great time. So, Nat, tell us what is our badass principle from this week and what can we all learn from it? Our, our badass principle this week, and it relates back to the conversation we just had, is embrace power. We have it. People do not give us power, we have it. So, embrace it. Go out there, tell people what you're doing, tell them what your dreams, ambitions are, and just get on with it. Emma, give us one practical way our listeners can embrace power this week and own it. Well, I think you know what you're saying, there's a there's a quote, I don't like to use quotes too much, but this quote really resonated with me and it's the same thing and it totally changed my mindset. And that was, the world will not invite you to, to the feast, you must storm in demand a demand a seat and take it and i think that that's how you be powerful it's just like you go out there and you make some stuff happen and you just have to be really bold and brave and brazen about it i love that idea i've just had this beautiful visual of you literally 
kicking a door down, storming all over, walking down this feasting table and taking control. And she's walking on the table as well. Do you know that? She kicks kicks the door down, gets on the table, walks through the middle, kicks off the mashed potatoes, (laughs) grabs the apple... Done. It's happening tonight about eight thirty at a restaurant down the road. Get ready. So, if any of you are lacking plans for this evening, that's where you should be. So, thank you very much for joining us today. We have loved our hour here, and we hope you have too. We want to hear from you. What did you like? What do you want more of? Tell us. Tweet us. Email us. Get in contact. We want your problems that we can solve. We will be here again next week, same time, same place. Thank you for listening. This has been the Badass Women's Hour with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, Emma Sexton, and we will be here again next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 